Welcome to the Exponential Groups podcast. I'm your host, Alan White. This podcast is designed to help you take the guesswork out of groups. In each episode, you will discover effective ways to recruit more leaders, form better groups, and make more disciples. Please subscribe to this monthly podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to episode four. Today's guest is Elliot Diaz. Elliot has served at Manichurch Fayetteville, Fort Bragg since March 2013. He has served as the small groups pastor and is currently the site pastor of the Cliffdale site and is a member of the lead team. Manna Church is a multi-site church of over 2,800 people in weekly attendance led by senior pastor Michael Fletcher. The vision of Manna Church is to equip people to change their world and to plant churches with the same world-changing vision. They have an aggressive strategy to multiply by planting an expression of Manna Church next to every U.S. military installation. Elliot is a 19-year Army veteran who currently serves as a chaplain in the North Carolina National Guard. To access the links mentioned in this podcast, go to alanwhite.org forward slash episode four. Now my interview with Elliot Diaz. All right. I want to welcome today's guest, Elliot Diaz. Welcome, Elliot. Hey, appreciate you. Uh, appreciate the invitation here. Hey, you're welcome. Glad to have you. Hey, so uh, you sent me an email a couple of weeks ago about uh, what happened with groups in your church in 2020, uh, which was actually a good thing. So I paid attention to anything that happened that was good in 2020. Um, tell us what happened. Yeah, there was a whole lot of bad that happened <laughs> in 2020, right? Um, mm-hmm. But first of all, um, just just with your uh, with the audience, man, I'm so appreciative to be on here with you guys. I was actually telling uh, telling Alan just a little earlier that when when he gave me the invitation, uh, it kind of started off like this: Hey, uh, Elliot, we'd love to have you on. Uh, we don't just want the big name people. So I appreciate for all of you. Look, this is I'm just a normal guy, uh, just like just like you guys are. But um, here's here's what happened. It was really really interesting because we did not expect this. So at the end of 2020, you know, we we like many other churches, we we were affected. Uh, we we had a stay at home order, uh, so we were not meeting in person. From I remember because it was March 12th. It was a Thursday night service. And that morning uh, or that afternoon, the governor of North Carolina said, starting tomorrow at 5 p.m., there is a stay-at-home order. So we all knew this one thir- this Thursday night would be our last service until who knows when. It was only supposed to, you know, it was only supposed to last about two weeks, right? That did not happen with for anyone. So we got the order and uh, we came back on, on really on Sunday. Uh, we were scrambling to get services online and all that good stuff. Uh, but once we got back in the office on Monday, we said, we already started thinking, okay, all our small groups just stopped because everyone is now at home. So what are we gonna do? Um, and immediately we started talking and um, it just, it came out where we said, okay, what we need to do is because we don't know how long this is gonna last. So we need to do two things. Uh, We need to train people to lead online groups. And two, we need to relaunch small groups for this cycle. Because typically we have three small group cycles. We we start small groups. uh, Our spring small group cycle begins at the end of January. And uh, so we said, okay, uh, here we are in March, but we're gonna relaunch small groups. So for about two weeks, we invested a lot of time, got a, a pretty a large team together, 
that had the sole purpose of contacting small group leaders and uh, seeing if they want to opt in to train, uh, to get some online training. Um, so that's what we did. And by the end of that two week period, we were able to launch. Now, you know, granted, we, we, we lost a, a good amount of small groups, but we were able to launch uh, 70, over 70 online small groups, um, which, was, which was really, really good. Because what that did was it helped just build momentum. Um, so at the end, I'm gonna fast forward a little bit and then we'll, we'll kind of fill in the gaps here. But by the end of 2020, uh, what we found was our small group participation went from 74%, which was pre, pre-COVID, 74% to 92%. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> now, and, and, and you're not in a small church. No. So Mana Church is, is now Mana Church Fayetteville for Bragg. Uh, Pre-COVID, we were um, over 5,000 on the weekend. Um, Within COVID, we, uh, we, we are hovering between um, 50, 60%, and it's continuing to increase by the grace of God. Um, so right now, we're, right now, we're at about 2,800 on a weekend. We are six locations, so we're a multi-site church. Um, now online is kind of, kind of like a seven-site, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, but, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of where we are. So which was the amazing thing about that percentage now, obviously, uh, if we were to compare it with the attendance of, you know, 2019, then that percentage would have decreased. Um, so we did it in relation to where we were at the time. But what that percentage told us was this. You can't build a small group culture overnight. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen. What the importance of that was the small group culture that was built prior to COVID, prior to the pandemic, that is what what uh, became really our foundation um, to rebuilding in 2020. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and the other thing I would just want to take a little bit of a detour here is even though our, po- sure. our, our podcast is focused on small groups, um, just kind of what you did in Ma- with Mana Church as far as your campuses went. Because when I first met you guys about seven years ago, yeah. um, you were a church of about 4,000 adults. Yep. But you had to replace about a thousand adults a year in order to maintain 4,000 because people were being deployed and reassigned and all of those things were happening. Right. Um, and then you adopted this multi-site strategy, but you just didn't pick random locations for your other campuses. So tell the folks a little bit about where your campuses are and why you chose them. Yeah. So um, before I go to the campuses, let me just give, give you some a, a little bit of a snapshot of who we are as Mana Church, because um, it's just not the norm. Um, so Mana Church in Fayetteville, Fort Bragg, is located right at the heart of Fayetteville, North Carolina, where um, which is located that which is a city that's within Fort Bragg, North Carolina. So Fort Bragg is an army installation. It is the most populated army installation in the world um, for for the U.S. So, you know, we're talking about 80,000 soldiers, family members, and civilians that work there at Fort Bragg. Um, So, Alan, you, you mentioned just a little bit ago about the turnover. And the reason for the turnover is because Army. <laughs> Army has done this to us. So in order for us to even stay on par, 
in order for us to stay at the uh, whatever attendance we are at, we have to grow 20% every single year. If we don't do that, we, we shrink. So what we, what we've, when we shifted to our multi-size strategy in about 2008, uh, we, we realized, let's, we said, hey, we want to go to where the people are. Uh, so around our city here um, and a little bit, a little bit in, in another city as well is where we planted our, our first five locations um, between, between 2008 and about 2015. And then this past uh, fall of 2019, we, we launched our sixth location um, and because we just want to go where the people are, right? We can't expect everybody to come to this one location. Right. So what we found was let's, where, there's, where there's a housing development where we see soldiers that are incoming kind of migrating to, mm-hmm. um, we just, let's go to where they are. Yeah. And then you've also launched campuses now kind of across the country, Right. Yes. So um, in 2016, our senior pastor, Pastor Michael Fletcher, uh, he, he really launched us into our, what we will call our multiply strategy. And, and here's what this looks like. This wasn't a change in our vision. Our vision is to equip people to change their world and to plant churches with the, the same uh, world-changing vision. What it, did, what, it, what it did, it really matured the vision. So we felt like the next phase, the next season of Mana Church was to be, uh, was multiply. And here's what multiply is. Uh, I just, I guess, super excited talking about it. Uh, Multiply is where we believe our call is to plant an expression of Mana Church all along what we call the military highway. That's all along 273 military installations. So wherever there's a military installation, that's where we want to be. Uh, so thus far, we've planted uh, a Mana Church in West Florida by Hurlburt Air, uh, Airfield, is the Air Force Base. We we planted a Mana Church in Hawaii. I uh, unfortunately I didn't get selected <laughs> for, for that one. <laughs> um, planted a Mana Church in Hawaii by mili- there's several military installations over there. Colorado Springs. Um, there are a few in North Carolina as well um, in Virginia and Newport News. Uh, there, was, there was a church that became a Mana Church uh, and has now serving that community and which will then launch into two, a few other Mana Churches as well. Um, and really what we're looking at is anywhere there's a military installation, that's where Mana Church wants to be. Um, because here's what we found. We found that uh, as people were leaving Fayetteville for Bragg, they would ask us, hey, is there a Mana Church or something like Mana Church wherever we're going? And we kept saying, you know, no, there isn't a Mana Church. Um, there's some other churches that are great and here are their names and here are their locations, but there isn't a Mana Church. So um, why not go where they are and be, well, really be where they're going? Exactly. And I, I love the spirit of multiplication. You're multiplying groups, you're multiplying campuses, and then you're multiplying churches. And um, that's been a, a big part of what, what I've seen and what I, I've m- admired about your pastor, Michael Fletcher and Manda Church is uh, just that ability to, um, you know, see a need and figure out, okay, how are we going to meet the need? Now, I met you guys about seven years ago and you were using the free market strategy for uh, uh, yes. forming small groups. Uh, tell us a little bit about what the free market strategy is for those who don't know and maybe how well that was working for you at the time. 
Yeah. So free market is, is simply this. This is just to, I think it's, it's the foundation is this, um, is built around who the individual is and where the individual is. So who, right? The giftings, the interests, the, the, you know, the personality, all the stuff that God downloaded into an individual, who they are, and then where they are, their sphere of influence. That's ultimately, and, and for us here at Mana Church, we're, we're not, we're not, just a, we're not just a church with small groups. We're a small groups church. Mm-hmm. So everything that we do, if, if it's the worship team, if it's the welcome team, if it's the bowling small group, if it's the Bible study small group, if it, whatever it is, it is a small group. And you had quite a few people connected into groups that way, if I remember. Yeah, honestly, and, and it's really, again, like it's, it's, it's by the grace of God, but um, we... Well, we feel like our calling as a local church is to develop leaders. And for us, leadership is not simply a position. Um, leadership is a calling on Christians, right? Because if you look at, if you look at the scriptures and um, where, where Jesus is saying, you are the light of the world, right? Or you are the salt of the earth. What he's, what he's saying is that the light, uh, you are, you have influence, you have influence in the world you live in. So all we want to do here at MANA, we just simply want to, want to, want to unlock, want to maybe, um, maybe want to shift your arrows, help you shift your arrows from inward focus to outward focus and um, help you see God has a calling in your life. God has a purpose on your life. And we want to equip you to, again, to then change the world around you that you are already a part of. That's great. That's great. So at the time that we met, um, we were actually working on a curriculum project called Life-Giving Marriage that uh, featured your pastor's teaching. And we were going to switch things up a little bit instead of doing mm-hmm. the, the free market uh, semester based. That was still going on because, you know, I'm in favor of whatever's working, allow that to work. But yep. then we changed some things as far as allowing people to host a group and uh, tell us kind of how that went in, in changing things up a bit. Yeah. So what we did was now prior, prior to that, in order to be a small group leader, you had to go through our leader step portion of the growth track. Really, you had to go through the entire growth track. Um, and if, if you want to kind of unpack that a little bit, I'll, we, we can after this. But um, so you have to go through leader step, be a member, and then you can lead a small group. And then when you guys came in, you know, when we, when we called the big guns in, <laughs> um, uh, you guys recommended that we just open it up and that's exactly what we did. And so we went from those that year in 2015, now we did two campaigns that year. We did life-giving marriage in the that's spring, right. and then we did a curriculum called the kingdom in the fall. And we went from in the spring of 2015, we went from 390 groups that's free market uh, before, so before the campaign to 557 groups. And, and here's the cool part is that we went from 80% participation to 100% participation, which was amazing. So we said, Hey, can this happen again in the fall? Not only did it happen, but it exceeded that. So in the fall, we ended up with 300, like 390 ish groups. Um, and then we ended with the campaign combined with the campaign we had 575 groups and we were at 101% participation, <laughs> right? Now, just to put you like, just 
to give some perspective is a lot of the military moves happen in the summer. Mm-hmm. So that means that, the, you know, let's just say roughly 15 to 20 percent of the people that experience this in the spring, they left. So, you know, a lot of who experienced this in the fall, there were new people. That wow. So that's that's more cool. than just building on what you had. It was almost like going back, rebuilding part of it and then and then expanding. I, I remember a moment I was in the lobby at Celebration Church in Jacksonville uh, during the art conference. Mm-hmm. And I hear your pastor, Michael Fletcher, calling my name across the, the very crowded foyer saying, Alan, Alan, hey, we got our numbers wrong. And my heart sunk because I thought they got their numbers wrong. Uh-oh, I'm toast because this didn't <laughs> work. Trouble. And uh, he came back and he said, we forgot to add in all of the groups we already had. So we have uh, twice as much or whatever. And that was a little better news uh, than I expected that I was going to be getting. Your people have been kept apart for a year. Your fall small group launch just might be the biggest you've ever seen. If you can nail one thing, you have to have enough leaders. You might have hoped I would say something easier. Recruiting new leaders is a challenge in every church. But I stopped personally recruiting small group leaders in 2004. Our group numbers went through the roof. Not only did I serve that church for three more years, I served a whole other church of 5,000 adults for four years. Our leaders increased, and I didn't recruit a single one. I would like to help you do the same thing. I would like to invite you to join my small group ministry coaching group. This is a 12-month experience that includes six months with a coaching group of no more than eight churches, a monthly one-on-one call with me, as well as copies of books and courses to study outside the group meetings. In the group meetings, we will talk about the best practices that I've accumulated from working with over 1,500 churches in the last 17 years. In our one-on-one sessions, we will discuss a specific strategy for your church's unique culture. This is not cookie cutter. The next group starts in July of 2021, and once it fills up, it is closed. For more information, go to alanwhite.org forward slash sgcoaching. That's alanwhite.org forward slash sgcoaching, or click the link in the show notes. So you guys, yeah, so you you built it up. Obviously, you lost a few and then uh, built it back. So that's just amazing. Um, now, tell us a little bit, because you mentioned that prior that people went through growth track. So tell us mm-hmm. what growth track is for those who don't know. And then, uh, and then why you decided to uh, delay that requirement for these hosts. Yeah. So, um, so growth track now look like, you know, every church has a growth track. Now um, our model is a little bit different. Uh, so our model, what is growth track consists of really three steps. That's first step, next step, and leader step. And it's all developed in house. The purpose of the growth track. Now, mind you in 2015, when we were doing this, we were still kind of, I would say in the toddler stages of our growth track. Cause our growth track was actually introduced between 2008 and 2010, if I believe. And then, so like, it's one of the, one of the axioms that we have here at Mana Church is that slow is fast. Um, especially when you're trying to create culture. So in 2015, when we were doing this, really the growth track was still, you know, finding its footing. Um, But the growth track consists of those three steps, first step, next step, and leader step. And 
they are all connected to the other. So really it is where, what we would say is culture, the culture of Mana Church is infused in every part of the growth track. So when you go to leader step, you're actually building on what is spoken about and learned in next step. And vice, and the same to be true from next step to, to first step. That's great. That's great. So then you decided that for these campaigns that we were making, that we wanted to open it up and have as many people lead as possible. So right. you kind of put the growth track piece aside to bring it back later. Not, yep. I, I don't like the the terminology of lowering the bar because it sounds like, you know, it's, it's never going to, you know, come back. You're never going to challenge them again, which I think you should, but you, you made that move. You let people come in. Obviously we've heard the numbers. How many problems did that cause for you? Not as many as I thought. <laughs> Isn't that, the, and I thought the same thing when I was there, you know, yeah. when in, so, in my own church. Right. Cause the cool part is, is that let's just be honest, right? The, the, many of the problems, the problems that would uh, really the messiness, right. That would, that can, that can happen. They surround the, you know, the, 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 the teachings of the church, right? Like, so let's say you're, you're leading a small group on something that is outside of the beliefs of the, whatever local church, you know, mm-hmm. you're a part of for us, Mana, um, you know, teaching outside of that. Uh, but what the campaign allowed us to do was we, in essence, we controlled the narrative because we developed the curriculum. Um, and not only did we develop the, with the curriculum, that's along with the questions, the training, all those things, right? So um, relationships are already messy. You're not going to change that. But the things that you can control is, uh, is the content. So because we control the content, um, we, we decided to, um, and it was a short period of time, right? So you're looking at a six-week uh, period of time that, uh, you know, for that, for that period of time, we said, hey, you know what? Opt in. This is your time to opt in. That's great. And, and I think that, you know, there is a reassurance kind of both ways when the church produces the curriculum because it makes it popular with people because they get more of their pastor's teaching or exclusive right. content that people outside of groups aren't going to get. Right. They don't need to be the Bible teacher. They don't need to be the expert because the pastor is the expert on the video. But it's also reassuring to the pastor's because you don't necessarily want people teaching in the group. You just want them facilitating a discussion and developing relationships. And so, you know, by, by guiding them in that, that way, um, you know, you do maintain some kind of, of control. I, I think some people think of, you know, opening this up and inviting other people to lead is just throwing caution to the wind. Um, I think, yes, it creates a little bit of chaos and yes, it's kind of messy. I think it also produces an amazing result, but I think there are those pieces that you can have in place that doesn't, you know, the wheels don't fall off the thing. And, and surprisingly, the problems are relatively few. Um, so anything you'd like to add there? Yeah, no. So a, a couple of things that, um, and I don't know if you're going to ask me this, um, what, one of the things that we, I guess, one of the things that brought peace um, was that there was weekly coaching that we would send out to the, the leaders or the host of those groups. So there was actually built into the campaign was a coaching structure, the, the content, of course, all the resources that you need to succeed, um, the, you know, the, the weekly content, uh, the weekly contact rather. 
And so because all that was built into the structure, it, you know, it just allowed for, um, it allowed for just peace of mind for me <laughs> a little bit. Because uh, the reality is small groups are messy. They're supposed to be messy. Small groups that are not messy are probably not affected small groups. So it's okay to be messy. Uh, but this allowed us to really uh, bring the support structure in that allowed us to build on what was already there. Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. So tell us now, because you mentioned earlier that, you know, of being more of a church of small groups model and multiplying that way. I think that's kind of a, a, an envious statement to a lot of people. Tell me how you're doing groups now and what's working well for you. Yeah, so our, our free market structure is really the same. And what, what I would say is, uh, and really, I don't, know if, I don't know if I told you this, Alan, but being part of that process with you, it's what, it was the catalyst to a lot of the things that we have now that's embedded and ingrained in our, really, our stronger small group culture. And I'll, I'll just, if I can just briefly just state what some of those things are. Um, so when we did the, the campaigns, uh, I said a little earlier that embedded inside was the, the weekly coaching. And we realized that that was a big area of lack um, that, that we had in our f- uh, free market structure. Uh, we just didn't have a good, a strong enough coaching tier. So it was really in 20, um, by that point, 2016, it was after the campaigns. Within 2015, we started to, to develop what coaching would look like here at MANA. 2016 is really where that took off. Uh, so not only did we establish a coaching tier, um, at that point, again, we're, we're a multi-site church and there are only two small group people on staff, right? Like that live, eat and breathe small groups. Wow. So, you guys must make a lot of money then. <laughs> <laughs> not so much. Um, so there's, there's the, so we established a coaching tier, which is all serve team led or, or volunteer led. We call volunteers serve team. So all serve team led. We established, we added a small group director at each of the locations um, because we found that I didn't know everybody and I couldn't know anybody because everybody, because I didn't go to church with them on Sundays because I was at a particular site, right? So who better than the the leaders at the site to build small groups at the site? Mm -hmm. So we established small group directors at each location. We created small, what we call small group leader huddles. So all it is is, additional equipping opportunities that leaders can opt into throughout the year uh, to help strengthen our small groups. And really, and what that, what that led to was a higher retention rate of leaders. So right now we're, we're at about a 70% retention rate um, for those, for, for leaders, which is, which is, which is great. So Alan, uh, I want to thank you because if it wasn't for what we did with our, our support structure, um, our infrastructure of small groups, if, if you would, uh, I don't think it would be as healthy as it is today. Well, I appreciate that. I learned a lot of things by making a lot of mistakes and uh, you got the benefit of me learning from my my mistakes is what that ended up with. But the, the other thing I hear you saying, because we talked about you're multiplying groups, you're multiplying campuses, you're multiplying churches. But the thing you just talked about as far as having a point person at each campus is that you're also multiplying yourself, that you can't possibly interact with every leader because there's just too many of them and 
they go to different campuses or whatever, but you've also worked hard at multiplying yourself. So how did you identify the people that were going to be the point person at the campuses? What, what were you looking for? How did you train them? What, how did that go? So what we did was uh, one, I looked at, I looked at the, for, for the coaching tier. So at our largest location, we develop a coaching tier. We call it mentoring, but that's just kind of like, mm-hmm. so our mentoring or, or coaching tier. And what I looked at was, I looked at who are the leaders that are, that are in, um, that really, and this is huge. Who are the leaders that are, that are us, right? That speak our language, um, that understand where we're going, that understand where we are, that have a passion for small groups. So what I did, I just, I looked at the small group leaders that already existed, uh, that, that led for more than a couple of cycles and, um, and, and asked them, uh, I invited them. And that's, that's the key, because the truth is it, it was an invitation for them to step into the more that God has for them. Mm. um, through, through this, it wasn't, it wasn't an invitation for them to do a task that I want them to do. It was an invitation for them to grow in their leadership and capacity. So that's, so that's what we did with the, with the coaching tier here. And then I partnered with the, with the site pastors at each of the locations to identify those same people, but at their locations. And then once that was established, then I would then meet with not only the, the, the coaches here at, at, our, our largest location at the time. Um, but I will also meet monthly or at least be in contact monthly with, uh, with the small group directors at each of the locations. So there was always ongoing, um, ongoing communication. And, and here's, here's what I, here's what I express to them is that small groups are not mine. It's ours. Um, we are, so this is what I would communicate to the small group directors. We are the, the, the small group champions here at Manor Church. It's us. It's not me. Um, it's us. So the reality is we're going to lead this thing far better together than any one of us could be in individually here. And, and I've, if I could just add one thing um, that I didn't mention earlier that I probably should have mentioned earlier. Um, here was the, one of the biggest takeaways from, from the campaigns. We learned what it takes for people to take a step to lead. And it's this self-efficacy, right? So it's not, it's not even the training. It's not how much they know about the Bible or not know about the Bible. It has little to do with the amount of knowledge that they have, the, you know, um, the amount of experience that they had. Here's, here's what it came down to. Do I feel called by God right now to do this thing? And if the answer is yes, then, um, if they're convinced that they're called by God to lead this group, then they're going to act differently than those that are not. So self-efficacy is huge. And, and all that is, that's connected to, right, Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship created by God for good work that he created before, before time began. So it's me knowing, you know what, I'm called by God to do this thing. And because I'm called by God to do, the, to do this thing, I'm going to trust that he's with me as we me and God do this thing. That's huge. And it also speaks to 
the culture of your church of recognizing the calling on your individual members that it's not just the calling is not limited only to the ordained people right? right that that it's a priesthood of believers that we all have a calling on our lives we're all gifted to serve you know for some people it's giving them permission and opportunity for right. other people it's it's calling it out of them and saying hey i is i see in you that you have yep. the ability to do this because a lot of times people are not aware that's right. And really, look, we, we are all not aware to a certain extent, right? <laughs> um, and, but that's part, of, that's part of the walk. That's part of the beauty of our walk with God. A couple of things that we say here is, um, one, we recognize that we, we as a staff, we do not build man a church. That is Jesus's job. Mm-hmm. Our job is simply to build people, right? We're going to build people. That means not making them what we want them to be. That is really almost helping them see themselves as God sees them and then, and then unleashing them right to the world, to the world around them. Um, you know, we, we say we, we want to help people discover, right. Discover their giftings, discover who they are, develop those things and then deploy them. It's a, you know, it's a military term, mm-hmm. um, but deploy them out um, because the goal is not for them to build the kingdom of man at church. The goal is for them to build the kingdom of God. That's fantastic. So let's go back to where we we started the podcast. And that is uh, you guys ended 2019 with 74% in groups Mm -hmm. and you ended 2020 with 92% in groups. So you went from 74% to 92% in 2020, which was not a year that anything was supposed to grow. So what was your secret? When when change happened, well, one, you can't create something new and expect it to be in in the culture, right? What, What happened... It's, it's kind of like one of those things of, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a disaster. Um, so like a hurricane or a tornado or, or anything like that. We experience, we, we experience, now they're becoming more and more popular here, but, um, you know, a few years ago, 2011, uh, we had tornadoes that came all through throughout this, our local area. At that time, we didn't know what we were doing, but, but, but we did outreach. Um, so we just supported the community in any way we could. And at the time, then uh, the city, the city saw um, who the people of Manor Church were and said, man, whenever we have a disaster, um, we want that. So years later, when we had uh, Hurricane Matthew, I think it was, mm-hmm. Hurricane Matthew came through and um, the city already knew who to call. Um, why is that? Because we didn't wait till disaster came to uh to build an outreach culture, right? That happened before. So when disaster came, when crisis came, it, and here's what we learned. When crisis comes, it's gonna, what you have can either be strengthened, but then what you don't have could be exposed. Like weaknesses will be, um, can, can be exposed. Mm-hmm. So because we had um, what I believe was a, a fairly strong small group culture, when we adapted to online, that just strengthened because we weren't rebuilding. We weren't starting small groups for the first time. It was more like this. Hey guys, this is who we are. You know this because you've been who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, Now we're just going to shift to a new way of doing what who we are of doing what we always been doing. So really we shifted the how, but we never shifted the what, the what is the same. That totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. And that, that consistency obviously 
carrying through helped you guys to kind of weather the storm of, of this last year. And I think the important takeaway is, you know, they say that the best time to um, plant a tree is 30 years ago, (laughs) but the second best time to plant a tree is today. And so God forbid that we should ever have anything like coronavirus ever again, but inevitably something is going to come up and um, it's just the nature of our world. And so what are the things, you know, talking to the audience now, what are the things to have in place so that you're going to not just survive, not just barely hang on, but to actually have a culture that's going to thrive and serve a community, even if your circumstances radically change. So Elliot, thank you very much for being my guest today. Thank you for being a normal guy. Thank you for being my friend. All right. God bless. Appreciate you, Alan. Take care, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with my friend, Elliot Diaz. He and Man of Church are doing extraordinary things and multiplying their church, their campuses, their groups, and their leaders. Please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a single monthly episode. Also, please rate the Exponential Groups podcast so others will be able to find it. And if you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends on social media so they will benefit from it too. Thank you. God bless.